0: Welcome to The Atticus Report, the podcast about music that's good for something. On this episode of The Atticus Report, we're going to travel to Canada in search of music that's good for something. I
1: think I'll go out to Alberta, weather's good there in the fall. I got some friends that I could go to work in for.
0: In this episode of The Atticus Report which is part 1 of our two part series on the music of Canada. We're going to be discussing the music of Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, the band and Daniel Lanois. We'll also be visiting with our good friend songwriter Lisa Burt from Halifax, Nova Scotia. So stay with us. We've got lots of great show ahead for you. We'll be right back after the musical break.
1: Winds that go lonely, seven seas that run high, All those things that don't change I'm what may If the good times are all gone Then I'm bound for moving on I'll look for you If I never back this way If I get there
0: I'm going to bring my co-host into the discussion with us. Stephen Doster. how are you doing this evening?: I'm great. Happy to be here. So we're we'll going to be talking about Canada, yep, tonight, Canadian music. This is our third episode for the Atticus Report. We haven't really talked about what does it mean music that's good for something. Before we carry on with the show today, I want to talk about that for just a moment. As you know I referenced in our earlier conversations that this was a quote that was in came to my attention that's been attributed to Woody Guthrie. Mm-hmm. Don't know what the source of it was, but the quote was music can't just be good. It must be good for something. Right. That's always been kind of something that I kept in mind as I've been writing songs and performing over the years and everything, that at at best I would want my music to serve for something good to help people transform or heal or something beyond just an entertainment value, something that's going to move them at a soul level, let's say. So as we talked about the Atticus Report here and what music that's good for something means to us, is there's music from all around the world, mm-hmm. people everywhere creating music, most of which will never become spread in awareness beyond their regions, you know, their immediate areas. We may never be exposed to it. We hear about the greats right? Canada, Leonard Cohen, Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, Gordon Lightfoot, Bruce Coburn. I know you're a big fan of the band, right? Yeah. Sure am.
2: A lot of great music came from Canada. The um, I was uh, surprised as a kid when I would find out, like, oh, I didn't know Neil Young was from Canada. I thought he was from California because uh, he's in, uh, their band was broke out of L.A. And, uh, I always found it to be very interesting that almost all my favorite artists, uh, most of them were, you know, a lot of them were from Britain, uh, from England, and uh, 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 Canada, and, uh, you know, they have a different uh, viewpoint on things, probably. Uh, The band was uh, particularly interested. A lot of people, in fact, uh, Lisa and I were talking before the show, and she was surprised to find out, asking me who uh, was Canadian in the band, and I said all of them. Except for Levon Helm, and uh, people do, wouldn't think that because if you hear the band sounds like the quintessential American group, uh, with their stories about the the South and and uh, midnight rambles and all the stories that you t- you hear in their in their songs. But uh, for me, uh, I was Johnny Mitchell was a big huge influence on American music, I would think. I would think there's a whole... just scores and scores, and and, uh, she was such a role model, probably for women uh, artists, too.
3: Just before our love got lost, you say, I am as constant as a northern star And I sit constantly in the darkness Where's that at? If you want me, I'll be in the bar On the back of a cartoon coaster In the blue TV screen light I drew a map of Canada
0: I would still be
3: on my
0: feet. yeah and her, and her music also has, has always had a, a sense of conscience yeah. and consciousness in element as an element in her music yes. I can remember the first time I heard court and spark on a really nice stereo system and you know in and around the time it came out mm-hmm. at a friend's house his older brother had a Morant stereo system and we were there and he had on court and spark and I heard it for the first time not coming from uh, the speakers in my Volkswagen Bug, but from a stereo system that was really nice. And I was just like, I was transfixed and transformed.
3: Love came to my door with a sleeping roll And a madman's soul He thought for sure I'd seen him Dancing up a river in the dark Looking for a woman to court
0: Of hers since then, I've always gone to her music. Hmm. Like when I want to be challenged as a listener, yeah. When I want to be challenged to listen deeper, because you can't just put this on. You can put it on and just kind of have it as ambient music in your experience and going about your. It's heavy stuff, but it demand it it really demands you to to engage it, and that's one of the things that drives me in the search of music that's good for something, something that that I respond to beyond just a level of entertainment or distraction. Something at a deeper level that moves me to either question things about truth and spirituality or whatever, or sometimes get a glimpse of what the answers might be, that another person is maybe thinking in the same direction that you are. And it's very life affirming when you can connect with an artist's music across time and space as, a, as we're here. I mean, like we could still put on Court and Spark today, mm-hmm. you know, 40 some odd years down the line and sit here and go, oh, wow, and it would touch us, you know, in different ways. Um,
2: I think felt she was a true innovator. And when I say the word, I don't want to use it lightly. Um I think there's very inventive people uh uh in music and there uh she once uh, said in when speaking about Prince, she goes, Well I think of Prince is like a great artist and but a hybrid. And uh and in her case I I don't think there's anybody that came before her that sounded like, that used words like she did and and had that added uh, musical sense. Uh, she wasn't playing G, C, and D. Uh, she was really challenging me uh, as a listener with the density of her harmonics in her composition.
0: Well, there's a difference in, in that respect in, in terms of being, you know, an entertainer or a performer yeah. and then an artist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Musicians and people like Joni, yeah. you know, she has that artistic impulse in her period. I mean, even at this later stage in life, she's manifested a pretty impressive body of just paintings and other, other forms of the creative expression. She's yeah. a true artist in every sense of the word. And those are rare. I mean, really, honestly, they're rare. We all have the capacity or the potential to be that. But the ones who actually stay the course and build a legacy and a body of work over a long period of time and continue to prove the artistic impulse continued to move the boundaries to continue to. I mean, even the David Bowie record here at the end of his life here recently, you know, kind of not to get off, off track a little bit, but wow. I mean, I'm I'm up at 145 in the morning listening to this thing just hours after he died. And it felt like he knew he was dying, and obviously he did. And that he very consciously crafted this piece of work that makes us, you know, question like, like an artist to the very end. That's a high ideal It is And and, uh, I hope it doesn't
2: I hope it continues That younger people They have artists in their life That are coming out There's times where music Can become a big Pepsi-Cola commercial And I think that's why The record companies disappeared As the more and more They fed that machine uh, And the less and less They cared about the art and, And the aesthetics of it The worse it got and uh and that's fine i don't I don't wanna ever say anything bad about a fellow musician of any kind Absolutely. but I do believe that um it's the corporate music is did a lot of damage.
0: Well, I noticed that some of the artists that we' will be name checking and talking about during the course of this episode each one of these seems to have attained a level of artistic integrity that while it's had its opportunities and it has its successes as a commercial venture and everything, that there was always an underlying artistic aesthetic in play. That they've really been true to that impulse. And sometimes you be out of step with the current trends and therefore sort of not commercial. And as soon as you become not commercial from a business or commercial sense, they drop you as irrelevant. Well, Joni Mitchell, that's what happened
2: with her. Right. The more she went away from the more pop-flavored sounds of uh, Court and Spark, which was one of the first records she ever made that had uh, drums and bass and things. Most of her records uh, uh, before that, uh, For the Roses and uh, Blue, uh, Ladies of the Canyon, they were very very acoustic acoustic. and uh, very powerful, too. Uh, Probably my favorite record of hers, For the Roses, and it's almost all just her piano and guitar and
0: voice. Well, listen... We're here on the Atticus Report today and we're talking about music that's good for something and we're visiting the music of Canada. And after the musical break, we're going to be right back and we're going to bring our friend Lisa Burt, songwriter from Nova Scotia, into the discussion. we got lots more show ahead for you, so hang in there with us. We'll be right back after the musical break.
1: In my mind, I still need a place to go. All my changes were there.
0: Blue, blue, when welcome back to the Addicts Report. I'm your host, Brick Busby. Star- Here with my co-host Stephen Doster, we've been talking about music that's good for something coming from Canada. I want to bring our good friend Lisa Burt into the conversation here. Lisa's a songwriter from Nova Scotia. We're going to be hearing about the music scene there in and around the Nova Scotia and Prince Edward Island area there in her life where she's lived most of her life, I guess all of her life. We'll hear more about that in a little bit. We're going to be talking about the music of Canada. So stay tuned here with us right now. Please welcome to the Atticus Report. Lisa Burt. How are you doing, Lisa?
4: Well, I'm doing so great, uh, being here with a, uh, you Rick again, uh, after seeing you a couple of weeks ago and, uh, Stephen as well, who I met, uh, two weeks ago at the Austin songwriters music festival. Um, very pleased to be here. And, uh, have you guys picked my brain?
0: <laughs> so you were showing me some pictures earlier before the show. Mm-hmm. And in those pictures, you were saying, look at this place. You can go all the way around the island on this path and this, that, and the other. And all along that path, you stop in all these incredible places and everywhere there's great music. So tell us about that.
4: Well, all over the maritime provinces, which include uh, Prince Edward Island, um, well, Atlantic provinces. So Newfoundland, Prince Edward Island, Nova Scotia, and New Brunswick. If you happen to, the place I mentioned was called the Cabot Trail, which is in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. And you get on that trail and you drive, you see the most beautiful scenery. But let's say you broke down on the side of the road and you needed some help. You would end up staying there for the evening. There'd be a huge kitchen party. There'd be uh, fiddles or violins, whichever your preference is. There would be guitars. There's sure to be a piano in the house. And always somebody around to play it. Um, wherever you stop, it, it, it's, it's throughout the whole region that music is instilled in us. Um, I think every person's family has at least one member who plays something or sings something. For sure, it's very rich.
0: So when they're when they're all together in these environments like this, in the like the what wh- what are the, what are the songs they play? Are the are, are these original compositions of the people from the area there? Are the what's what's the what's on the repertoire? Uh,
4: well, the repertoire would be. Uh, Definitely in Cape Breton region, a little Celtic-driven, right? Uh, we would have probably uh, traditionals that went back hundreds of years that would just be old favorites. They might sing some Robert Burns songs. They might, you know, uh, they could have put a poem to verse, uh, to music, sorry. Um, somebody, a young person or old person, they all write songs. It's, it's just... Uh, it's ingrained in us and you know, there could be someone to stand up and, and do an ode or spoken word. And, and then somebody else would be uh, step dancing to the St. Anne's reel when the boys get the fiddles out and it's just going like, and you know, the electricity and, and, uh, the mood and everyone is just so happy to be there. And it usually always takes place in the kitchen.
0: That sounds like a Zydeco party. in Yeah. Louisiana it, it's a lot
4: like that. <laughs> it's a lot like that.
2: You mentioned the Celtic influence of it. And, uh, that makes sense because when when you you were talking about that, it was it reminded me of uh, of uh, Ireland is like that. How music is just part of the, the fabric of life. A friend of mine came back from living there for a while, and I asked him, you know, how it was, and he said, "Oh, it's wonderful over there. It's such a musical country, and uh, when they have statues, they have statues of poets and." And not instead of military people, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of a
0: a general, there'll be a a statue of a poet that that tells you what you need to know. So why don't we take a listen to uh, a French-Canadian traditional Saint Anne's Reel and get a little flavor for what we've been talking about. Yeah. back to nova scotia is the french acadians and everything mm-hmm. and then migrated all the way back down to louisiana which is where my mother's side of the family is from so i have those you know acadian slash Cajun roots yeah you know, and stephen has yeah. cajun roots as well and we're and we're only about we're, where we're talking to you all tonight from we're only about an hour away from the louisiana border so really? <laughs> we're in the <laughs> we, kinda... we, we could be across louisiana about an hour from here so you know, it's part of our roots around here, too, and that I, I feel that connection and kindred spirit with Nova Scotia even being down here and having the opportunity to have this discussion and get a sort of boots-on-the-ground mm-hmm. view of it. I've had several people in my family make that trek to Nova Scotia. They, um, It's uh, my, a
4: huge my, Acadian population, yeah. like huge. You all definitely have connections for sure, and I've met so many people on my travels who, like yourself, has that Acadian uh, connection with
0: Nova Scotia. It reminds me of that community. it reminds me of that Daniel Lanois uh, mm. record, which is so beautiful, has that song "The Maker" on it. And I and I always think about my Acadian roots and everything when I when I hear that album and everything. It's just a wonderful piece of music. Do you know that piece of music? I you do. I've, I've played it before. Um,
2: Charlie Sexton one time before I ever heard the record. He had learned it and we played it at a show before. Um, and it stuck out then, still still love it, really love Daniel walk
5: That's
0: a fragment from Daniel Anwa's song, The Maker, from his 1989 album, Acadie, voted number 20 on the Top 100 Canadian Albums of All Times list. I love Daniel Anwa's music, Stephen. Been listening to it for a while, have several of his solo albums and so forth. The Beauty of Winona is one of my very favorite albums of all time by anybody. But what really struck me and what really attracted me initially to Daniel Anwar was his reputation as a producer. He's produced some of the best albums that are in my collection. Some of my favorite albums of all time, Peter Gabriel So, and The Neville Brothers' Yellow Moon, uh, Robbie Robertson's debut album. These were some of the first records that were coming along. U2's Unforgettable Fire earlier on. His work with Brian Eno is just revolutionary. Octung Baby. Octung Baby. Just goes on and on and on. We'll do a whole series later on, a whole show on producers later on here on the Axe Report that we're planning for later on this year. And we'll go deeper with Daniel Anwar during that episode. But right now I'm just fascinated by this guy's technique, his songwriting prowess, where he comes from. I don't know of anybody else that sounds like him yeah he's been
2: been doing it since he was a kid, and he's just lived his whole life in music he's he's the real deal. And I tell uh, people he's a
0: wizard he just he, just he strikes me wizard. as a
2: wizard for some reason like he just has a magical touch. I think he's had a real blessed career too all the people he's got to work with from you know, all the people you mentioned Dylan Neil young Emmylou. Lou uh, just goes on, and on. Yeah. Just, so and uh so I was really happy uh, when I first heard him putting out his own music and this is the first song, as I mentioned earlier, that I heard.
0: Love it. Uh, Willie did this on the Teatro. On the Teatro. Another yeah. another producer credit for Daniel, right <laughs> there. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Never absolutely. ends. Have you
5: seen
2: the it also made me think of the band when you were saying that. There's, uh, although a lot of their songs were. American sounding or, you know, about the Civil War or whatever. Uh, While you were talking, I was thinking of their song Acadia and Driftwood. Oh, yeah. And that's such a moving piece of music.
5: The war was over and the spirit was hills were spoken as the men withdrew. We stood on the cliffs and watched the ships slowly sinking to their rendezvous. They signed a tree.
4: apologize to my fellow canadians that i did not know that the band was mostly canadian, was mostly canadian. yeah i really do have canadian. to shout right.
0: out uh, my bad that's right so see the actress report has value in your life oh already. my gosh it's i learned something, something today to very good, very good. Excellent. so so moving on so so give us a for a little bit before we move forward with the discussion here let's talk a little bit give us a little bird's eye view of the music scene in and around, say, Halifax. I think you're about 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes mm-hmm. outside of Halifax. So give us a bird's eye view of what the music scene is like around there, because we don't, we don't necessarily hear of stars coming from Nova Scotia on exactly. a daily basis, so we don't really have a touchstone for it. What's that like?
4: Well, there's a few stars that came out of Nova Scotia. Um, Sarah McLaughlin, of course, we all know. uh, um, Rita McNeil, Anne Murray. I'm naming a lot of female artists, of course, um, because I'm a female. Um, But the scene around Halifax is, it's so eclectic. Um, One thing that comes to mind is is a really great, uh, you know, rock band. They're called the Stanfields. And they blend Celtic, with rock and they just it's it, you can you can hear the flavor you can feel the flavor of the celtic roots there but also they're, they're just they're hard and band and people are yeah and and you know i love that kind of mix
6: i knew a fella back in 1998 wasn't real bright but he had a lot of nerve drank like a fish and he had a special place in the bottom of the learning curve he had ten bills when he left his parents house, frothing at the mouth, shooting from the hip. He give her for a week and recover for a day, kinda change with a busted lip
5: From the dirtiest drunk, dirtiest drunk, dirty drunk in the history of liquor, dirty S drunk, dirty S drunk, dirty S drunk in the history of liquor
4: There's a lot of fusion in, in Halifax. I mean, you can, we have classified, he's a, a major Canadian, well known rapper. He's collaborated with a lot of great people. Um, we have um, country, big, big country audience. Um, you know, pop, jazz, huge jazz festival every year, which I've got to play at um, a couple of times, which was an honor. And you name it, symphony, classical. A lot of our musicians around Halifax have gone to a prestigious Dalhousie University music school. So if you, if you want a guitar player or any type of instrument, flute, piano, cello, you can just draw on that. You can go to the university and say, Hey, you know, you, you want to play on my album or you want to do this show or that show? And so everybody is just so well trained and, and, uh, and there's a lot of Good good music the Trues, that band comes to mind um, they did a marvelous song called Highway of Heroes which is uh, a highway in Canada dedicated to our veterans and like it, it was it was definitely it was a hit for them for sure was about two years ago beautiful song. We're a
5: hundred or so from the coast and from the prairies I bet they keep coming I one more name. From Ontario And carry me home Down the highway of heroes People above With the flags flying low Carry me softly Down the highway of heroes True patriot love There was never more
0: So tell us a little bit about your your personal history as a musician songwriter. How did you get? What's the clip notes version of your sort of you know bio and how did you come to be in songwriting? And 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 actually, we met you in Austin, Texas as you as you mentioned earlier three years ago at the Austin Songwriter Symposium and everything. We've been friends now for three years. Yes, we have and staying in touch. And what was your journey? When did you know? When did you follow? How did you get here?
4: Well, you know, Oprah talks about the aha moment. I've always been musical. My grandmother played the pump organ. That's when I was a little kid. You know, she had to pump that organ to get anything out. And uh, and since then, I, I just kind of always wrote. I was always a writer, no matter what, stories, poetry, and what have you. So um, I moved away from Prince Edward Island, where I was born and raised uh, when I was about uh, 20 years old. And I moved to Nova Scotia. And I I met a guy that was actually from PEI, and he told me that his sister made a CD. And I said, Well, uh, I've sang my whole life. I write. Well, I'm going to do it. So that was my aha moment. Like, you know, she did it. Well, I can do it. So I joined the Songwriters Association of Nova Scotia right away. I didn't know how to play guitar. I I, uh, found a guy who helped me out. I put my visions. Uh to him, he put the music down. And then I've been just, you know, working my butt off ever since and, and had the great uh, pleasure to be asked to come down here three years ago and represent Canada.
0: So so when when was that moment in time? Like what was the year? What, what was the, the year, year when-
4: was? Oh, gosh, that's a trick question. That was uh, 1999.
0: Let, let's talk about your Canadian influence. I know because I don't want to expand the, the, the conversation to world choices here, but like growing up from a Canadian's point of view – Who were your heroes? Who were your touchstones?
4: Well, that's a hard question for me to answer because my parents (laughs) listened to American music, right? Mm -hmm. Elvis, um, Charlie Pryde, George Jones, Freddie Fender. um, Like, they were... They're huge country fans. So, you know, uh, Mickey Gilley, all those people. So I grew up on that.
0: So they're listening to Texas they're music. They're
4: listening to, to Texas music. And I mean, most of the time, I mean, I sang in church and I also sang in uh, a few uh, choirs, very well known uh, in PEI and, and whatnot. So I had a lot of, um, I guess I was the classical training and, and stuff like that. So I didn't really sing pop songs until I was a little bit older. And then uh, I love Linda Ronstad. She's one of my idols for sure. And Madonna, if you <laughs> I love Madonna. You know, so my Canadian influences, I think most of them would be like kind of local, with the exception of Anne Murray, of course, because she was a, a huge Canadian influence in my life. I, I really should acknowledge that. As far back as I can remember in variety shows, those were the songs that I would sing.
3: Beneath the unborn grass lies waiting for his coat to turn to green The snowbird sings a song he always sings and speaks to me of flowers that will bloom again in spring When I was young my heart was young then too Anything that it would tell me that's the thing that I would do But now I feel such emptiness within I want most in life's the thing that I can't win Spread your tiny wings and fly away And take the snow back with you Where it came from on that day
5: What I love forever is
0: untrue
3: And if I could, you know that I would fly away
5: with yeah, she
0: was a big, she was a big star. We were right. singing her songs down here too. You know, you should know that. You know, we're sitting here in the studio tonight, and just in so at a place, at, you at a place in time on the planet Earth right now. Okay. You mentioned Freddie Fender, and you mentioned George Jones as you were name checking what your parents were listening mm-hmm. to. We're about. Forty minutes from where George Jones grew up, and we're about an hour and ten minutes away from the studio where Freddie Fender used to record no in Houston. Yeah, my
4: dad will freak out when yeah, I tell so him. you're right. You're right. You're
0: right <laughs> in the midst of Freddie Fender and George Jones where you're sitting tonight. That's crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy. Wow.
4: Yeah. I, <laughs> I can't believe it. Um. It, yeah. Being you know growing up in in the Maritime provinces, it's just it's such a rich culture you get everything there we have very multicultural so you know music from all over the world and we like to incorporate and experiment and and we have some wonderful festivals down there uh, the biggest one that comes to mind is the stan rogers festival and stan rogers was a huge well-known folk artist and i, I mean everybody in canada knows you know uh his songs and, and that festival brings people from all around the world artists coming uh, every year. So a town of 800 people, turns into 20,000.
6: Oh, the year was 1778 how I wish I was in Sherbrooke now. A letter of mark came from the king to the scummiest vessel I've ever seen. God damn them all. I was told we'd cruise the seas for American gold. We'd fire no guns shed no tears. Now I'm a broken man on a Halifax pier. The last of Barrett's tears. Oh, I'll well, sit cried the town how i wish
0: i was in sherbrooke
6: now <gasps> for 20 brave men all fishermen who would make for him the antelope screw god damn them all i was told we'd cruise the seas for american gold we'd fire no guns shed no tears now i'm a broken man on a halifax pier
4: so it's, it's a pretty amazing America's festival and, well, and uh years. yeah it's fun to be a part of it camping out and best seafood you'll ever have. And and that's just right on the cusp before you go into Cape Breton Island.
0: Yeah. So do you do most of your work in and around the Nova Scotia area? Do you tour throughout Canada? Like, like like what's your, what's your kind of thing?
4: I try to do as much as I can wherever I can do it. Um, I do do a lot of stuff around Halifax. I have family, so excuse me i like to be close to home i travel over to pei new brunswick i do a lot of house concerts house concerts are very popular in uh back home in canada where you you know you have your act maybe duo trio they come into your home they play for you You could have a party atmosphere or you could have a listening crowd um the the artist makes a pretty good reasonable paycheck for the night and and you can sing your original stuff and
0: I think Steve and I would both agree that most of our friends would prefer to do house concerts only. Steven did a house concert just a few days ago. It was a wonderful success. It
2: was great. They're pretty incredible. It was was such a great audience, and everyone had come there for that reason. Exactly. I have a theory about that, is is that anytime people have, they come to a place, uh, obviously, just for the music. And and also, if if people are... uh, Usually, they come to house concerts, they pay some money mm-hmm. uh, for, for the artist, and people who pay, you know, same as if they buy a ticket to a concert, uh, they're going to approach it with a different attitude than it will if a, a, this, a free show. Yeah. If people haven't paid to get in, it's like it's almost like I, I play different songs when I'm playing in front of a crowd that has paid to see me because I know they came to see, see me play my songs, right, and right. I might if it's just if I'm playing somewhere and I'm just part of the thing which can be good too. I like that too. Uh, I've played uh, a regular some regular shows in Austin where they're just open to the public and we get listeners, we get partyers, we get all kinds of different people and you just play play the room. But yeah, I love I love that concept of the
0: house concerts. Yeah. So, so I was just going kind to of have Stephen here here a second. I was I was thinking as he was talking like so when you're playing your shows and I, I know you do a you have you're a wonderful songwriter and everything and you have lots of great songs you could play total shows with just your songs but I know you also love doing mm-hmm. cover songs among the Canadian artists like what are some of the songs that you've covered over time that, that are sort of meaningful to you in terms of your process
2: Well probably uh the band and Neil the most um I it's wouldn't be a rare uh, thing for especially in a longer type of show that I wouldn't pull out some song by Neil Young uh, that I uh and try to pull out ones that not not a lot of people do. I, um, but I, he was a big influence on me. As a little a young man, I would go home after school and uh, plop his records on and go, you know, boy, how did he do that? And uh, he was just such a great influence in the band, too. And uh, I've I've got an opportunity to... Well, I've got to meet um, Neil before, and I got to meet Richard Manuel and uh, played a show with him and Rick Danko. And it was a very special thing for me to meet them. And I met Rick uh, Richard right before he uh, died. And uh, he, uh, I was so happy to talk to him, just to be, sit- sitting, uh, be on the same stage with him, for one thing, but uh, to hear him sing.
0: running i fell out of step with the last couple of years because my life kind of changed and I started moving some different directions. but every year on thanksgiving when i would get up and start cooking i would put on the last waltz yeah. on the tv in the morning while i'm having coffee and getting the oh, yeah. thing i would watch the, the, the last waltz every thanksgiving day for about 10 years in a row that's a great tradition for thanksgiving is. it is a great tradition that was a just a wonderful well graham experience. Had, had the greatest thanksgiving uh, uh, no doubt, right? Kind. I mean, right. How, come on, like the last performance, it was it was really it was outstanding, you know. And and then yeah. through that, through that, becoming aware, seeing Neil Diamond's performance in the context of that show, I became aware that Robbie had produced an album for Neil at that point in around that same time, Beautiful Noise, which was not one of Neil's like hit records and everything. And I and I came to know that record later on when I became went deeper into people's catalogs and stuff yeah. like that and started making all these connections like, Oh, Robbie Robertson did this. Well, I'm going to go check that out. And then right. you get into this Neil Diamond record. that's just this wonderful, you know, wonderful album, wonderful yeah. album, an artistic you know, statement and everything, but it didn't have the commercial hit. So it yeah. just kind of, you know, bypassed most people's consciousness.
2: It was a surprise to me when I was, a, as a kid, um, I was all, by the time the band broke up, I was, a, you know, already been playing music for a long time and, um, uh, I was very surprised to see him there. Um, but I thought he did a good performance there. I was happy to see uh uh not just a great concert doctor, John, uh Van Morrison, Dylan
0: and and Neil. Neil was there. Yeah. Neil. <laughs> yeah. Emily and Johnny, Harris, yeah. Emily Harris. Yeah, Harris and Joni. It was great. They were, they killed on it. Yeah. Joni snuck
4: up and sang backups. Oh for was, Neil Diamond. Or yeah. Neil <laughs> Neil Young, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It was um beautiful. Hopeless, she, hopeless.
0: Right. Great show. Great yeah, show. Yeah, it's yeah.
4: really moving. To so, so, so when,
0: so, so, Lisa, from the from the Canadian point of view, people like Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, who we're just you know, presently talking about, they icons. Like, when was your first exposure coming up? Like, when did you become aware of that? Was it through your parents, or did you discover it some other path? How, how did it happen?
4: I just discovered it, you know, kind of myself by listening to the radio and 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 liking what I liked, and I like all genres of music if the song is good if you know if it makes me move if it touches my heart if it's you know for a cause that i'm i'm for or what have you it, you know if it connects with me i i don't care what genre it is uh, i write all genres of music i love all types of music so it was just me discovering uh what was out there really
0: so what yeah. are the what were the, what are the radio formats like in in nova scotia like, as compared to, like, America, we've gotten a lot of real specialization going on here. People can create their own radio programs here. And, of course, you can, well, too, via course, the yeah. internet and everything. But, like, what's just radio consciousness uh, like in Nova Scotia?
4: Mainstream uh, radio requires us to play 30% Canadian uh
0: artists on, yes. in the mix of songs. Yes, yeah. that's
4: right. In the rotation or whatever, they already have pre-mixes or whatever, but there has to be 30% Canadian content, for yeah. sure. So we get to hear a lot of our Canadian artists all the time. And that's cool. It, yeah, it's really cool. And especially Nova Scotia and Halifax, there's, there's so many really great artists. Joel Plaskett in the Emergency, like, total icon in Halifax. He's traveled all over the world. Great songwriter.
5: Hey, good looking, while the frown, you always look it's upside down. You say you got nowhere that you're going to. Can I go nowhere with you? I took the darkness ferry into the town, Spend my pennies bombing around.
4: We have a great um, support group in Nova Scotia. We have Music Nova Scotia, for one, so that we have awards. They are very educational. We have the East Coast Music uh, Awards as well. Um, We, we, you know, people from all across Canada, stars like maybe Anne Murray or Rita McNeil has showed up. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's
0: it's beautiful. It's a great culture. Well, the Canadian musical culture is indeed great, and we've got lots more to tell you about it here on The Atticus Report, but we've come to the end of our time here on part one of this two-part episode. We're going to tell you what's ahead on the next episode of The Atticus Report concerning the music of Canada, but right now, enjoy one last musical break from the band, one of our very favorite songs, It Makes No Difference. (music) The late, great Rick Danko on lead vocals on the band classic. It makes no difference. Here on the Atticus Report, we want to thank you for staying with us today to hear part one of our two-part series on the music of Canada. We'd like to thank our studio guest, Lisa Burt, songwriter from Nova Scotia. She'll be back with us in part two in a couple of weeks, so be on the lookout for that. We'd also like to thank our staff and technical support people who helped make the Atticus Report possible. At North Fork Studios, our technical engineer today, Mr. Monty McWilliams. Handling all of our websites and graphic details and so forth, Kiana Shantis And handling the social media duties, Ms. Carolyn Soames. We'd like to thank them for their part in helping to make the Atticus Report possible. Stephen, we're off to a great start discussing the music of Canada. Tell us what's coming up in Episode 2.
2: Oh, some great stuff. Uh, guess who? Arcade Fire, Gordon Lightfoot,
0: Bruce Coburn, Leonard Cohen. Wow, that's that's quite a a staff of uh, people to be discussing here. Looking forward to that episode. Lisa will be back with us on that episode, giving us more of the Canadian perspective on all this great, great music from Canada. We hope you're enjoying the Atticus Report. You can follow us on Twitter at Atticus Report on Twitter. You can also find us on our website, AtticusReport.com. Tell your friends about us. Share the Atticus Report. Follow, subscribe it. We'd love to hear from you also. If you have something you want to say, something you want to make a suggestion about the show, you can communicate with us either through Twitter or the website, and we'd love to hear from you. We've got a lot of great shows planned for 2016, a lot of great things coming up, but next up on the Attic Support is going to be part two as we go to Canada in search of music that's good for something. Thank you, Stephen. We're out of here, buddy. Pleasure. See you soon. Support for The Atticus Report is provided by DBM Entertainment, the online store for all music and merchandise from Atticus Records and Private Angel Records. Visit dbmentertainment.com. Check out their products, follow their artists. You can also follow The Atticus Report on iTunes, Amazon, and Google Play.